Your college football game day has come early. Goes down the field for six. He goes up high. He's got get away from the top speed. And the ball is free. Woo! What a hit. You got barbecue back there? From underdog triumphs to powerhouse showdowns, we've got your winning playbook covered. It's BetQLU with Chris Mack, RJ Choppy, and John Martin. Presented by BetMGM. And we welcome you in on a Thursday night to Odyssey Sports' YouTube page, or if you're getting this Friday night, early Saturday morning, on the BetQL Network. We appreciate you as well. Or maybe you're listening to the podcast after the fact. You're headed to a game, maybe Saturday afternoon, and taking us with you. We appreciate it. Alongside RJ Choppy and John Martin, I'm Chris Mack, and this is BetQLU. Three big games that we're going to dive into individually a little bit later. Each of them with a little taste of revenge, maybe, involved for one team. Uh, We talk about a big statement that was made last weekend before the end of the show when we'll get you our best bets for this weekend as well. But let's dive right in. If you're watching on the YouTube stream, uh, you are seeing the hat that's on my head right now. And you know this is a big week for me. It's Penn State, Ohio (laughs) State. Nittany Lions headed to Columbus on Saturday as four-and-a-half-point underdogs trying to win at the shoe for the first time since 2011. Uh, we'll, We'll touch on some other aspects of this game maybe a little bit later as it's one of the three big games we want to talk about, but from a global perspective, RJ, I'm going to start with you. Um, does the loser of this game still have a chance, still have a shot at the CFP, given that the loser of this game will still have Michigan sitting out on their schedule in November? You know, I, I think we're still, boy, we're teetering on early enough, but I do think it's early enough still. I think you can lose this game, win out, um, and, and maybe, look, I, I, whoever loses this game needs every all three to kind of knock each other off. Um, so, like, let's say Ohio State loses. You know, they, they, need, all, they need all three yeah. to knock each other off, and then you still got to find a way to win the conference. So, yes, I do think so. I mean, it's going to be hard. There, There is a um, – there's a built-in – I don't want to say bias, but a benefit of the doubt that if everything is equal – like the SEC probably wins the everything is equal, and the Big Ten probably wins the everything is equal benefit of the doubt. So, like, if you have a Pac-12 and a Big Ten team that are completely even for the fourth spot in the in the Final Four, I think they give the benefit of the doubt to the Big Ten Big Ten team. Um, and I, I don't. I, I, I may be crazy. Uh, they probably do the same for the SEC. So, I think the loser is still in this thing. Yeah, I mean, at least amongst those three teams, and we'll get to Michigan uh, in a second, but Penn State and Ohio State meeting this weekend. From a 50,000-foot view, John, um, can the Big Ten get two of these teams in? If all three end up with one loss, one of them's the Big Ten champ and gets the you know what amounts to an automatic bid to the CFP, can the loser of, of I guess, this game, if they don't also – then run the table. Um, can can they can they also end up in the CFP? RJ, how many Big Ten teams he trying to get in there, man? How, how many is he trying to? Uh, he's trying oh. to get. He's trying to get three Big Ten teams, man. No, he's no, trying no, to no, squeeze no. them in. Uh, 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 I'm just he's saying. 
if they're if they're the four spot, they're just tied at the very end. You know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. No. Uh, I, I would say uh, I would say it's possible because you know you're t- you're dealing it. You know, usually you have to reserve two for the SEC. I don't think that's the case this year. Obviously, with Alabama no. being down, uh, Pac-12. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. It's a stacked league. We'll see what sort of comes out of that when it's all said and done, the dust settles. So, yeah, look, I think it's certainly possible. I mean, I, I do believe that Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State are three of the best teams in college football. It's just the truth. So I think anytime you're, you're talking about that, not that they don't have flaws, but they are three of the best. Uh, and I would probably take two of the three over Alabama right now just as a gauge. Um, so yeah, I would say it's possible. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think this is the closest we've been to your point about this, not being a two team, uh, sec year, John, that we're as closest as we've, we've ever been to having, uh, a, a representative from each conference and obviously one getting left out, uh, in the, in the final four. Like, yeah. and, and it feels more and more, even though, you know, what, four or five weeks ago, not even, we were talking about, oh, my God, can you be, believe how deep the Pac-12 is, given that this is the year that they're also being pulled apart. Um, and yet the Pac-12, as deep as they are, like I don't think a two-loss Pac-12 team, a Pac-12, two-loss Pac-12 champ is getting in. Um, it's no. just, it, it, Despite right. the fact that they'll have quality losses on their schedule, right? They're probably mm-hmm. We're probably talking two losses to ranked teams, top 15 teams maybe even. Um, I think that's going to simply be the opportunity to put it, throw out this level field final four, or at least the most level field final four that we've ever had. Big 10, Big 12, SEC, ACC champ, bang, you're all in, and it almost becomes like an automatic qualifier status, Choppy. Yeah, it does. And, and look, I mean, this, none, of these, none of these problems will happen uh, in, in a year, you know, when you got your 12 team, and it'd be amazing. But, you know, these are the kind of conversations – uh, that we're going to have to have now. I'll tell you what's going to stink when they expand the playoffs. Talk radio. You're not going to have anything to talk. But what are you going to what are you going to wax poetic about for for four months? Uh, no, oh, this you know, is perfect. This, this is they win at- choppy. This is perfect for John and the group of five guys. Man, this is yeah. this is their dream come true because now they can argue about who who the 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 team should be from the group of five, the AAC champ or the Mountain West team that deserves yeah. to get in. This opens Ugh. the field to, instead of arguing about teams four, five, and six, we can argue about teams 11, 12, and 13. Oh, yeah, yeah. that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, that's just going to really, <laughs> I mean, ratings bonanza, right? Yeah. Arguing about UTSA. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, we'll see, though, right? We, like I'm not, I'm not convinced that there is going to still be a spot for these guys. I mean, I know there might be some antitrust stuff, but I, I, dude, how can how can you, you know, how do you still? Leave, you're talking about, you know, a, a sixth best team in a Big Ten or an SEC that might be ranked. I don't know. Like I don't rule yeah. that possibility out. Maybe that's extreme, but you know, fourth or fifth place in the SEC or the Big Ten, they're not going to get in. Because of you know uh, Tulane or Memphis or I I don't know man that's that would be really brutal for that coach. These conversations are not going to stop. It, it's just going to we're going to expand a little bit in terms of mm-hmm. we'll be talking about more the middle of leagues as opposed to you know oh my god the, the second place team got left but it they're still going to happen for sure. Or in all seriousness, it may actually shine a little bit of a light occasionally, whether it's deserved or not 
on a couple of different group of five conference champs. Like, this would be a year where by the end of the year, if we get down to it, and they're both still playing well, and Tulane still got one loss, and Air Force is still undefeated, you know, or maybe Air Force loses a game down the stretch. Everybody's talking about, well, who sh- maybe it should be both of them then. Like, that, that conversation, it'll be, you know, yeah. Mountain West versus AAC, which, look, I'm right there with you. It's not as sexy as talking about whether the second team from the SEC should get in over the second team from the Big Ten, but I still think it's a conversation. I mean, we still have those conversations about who the eighth team in the Big Ten is every eight, every March, right? Like, it, yeah. we still argue about that stuff. So um, it, it'll still be it, it'll still be in there, I think, and and it'll it just won't be won't be quite as exclusive and quite as sexy. Speaking of. Nobody's ever called the Big Ten sexy. But speaking of Big Ten playoff odds, uh, Michigan is minus 145 to make the CFP. Ohio State, 2-1. to one. Penn State, plus 270. Um, now that we have gotten past Penn State and Ohio State for just a moment, we'll get into the game specific in just a couple of minutes. Uh, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh can't keep away from what is seemingly <laughs> trouble. Like, not big trouble, but like, Little things that uh, I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised Jim Harbaugh is involved with, whether it's cheeseburgers in, in the summer or stealing signs now. Apparently, there's allegations that Michigan has been going out of its way to steal signs above and beyond what sounds like, John, just your typical stand on the sideline, scope the other team, while guys in three different colored hats are doing what looks like a TikTok dance and try to decipher it. Like they're they're taking video from sidelines from other teams. This is much more Patriot Spygate like it sounds like. It is. I would uh I would t- if I was Jim Harbour, I'd say I got two signs for you. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'd them, buddy. I'd give them uh, I'd give them the uh, either the double bird or the DX. You know what I'm saying? I'd give them one of those. Uh, you, this is how you know Michigan is back, baby. This is this is how we can finally all say that uh, it, it, this is the peak for Michigan this year right now, that they are in the headlines for this. Look, I, I get it. It is above and beyond, but, like, this is just saltiness, man. This is just – this is saltiness on the part of uh, the Big Ten. They know that Michigan is a is – a, is a, I mean, honestly, I, we talked about them before. I, they're, my, they're my pick for the national championship this year. They're just loaded. And, and when, ever since Jim Harbaugh has come back, uh, they've been a machine, and I don't expect that to stop anytime soon. So I'd, I'd give them, I'd give them some signs. I'd give the Big Ten some signs, just for you, Chris, just for you. <laughs> <laughs> bring it on, bring it on, Choppy. I mean, it, 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 look, this is exactly what John is describing, like that Michigan attitude of, yeah, maybe we did, maybe we didn't. I don't know. Um, so what if we did? We'll still whoop your ass, like that kind of attitude is exactly why people can't stand Jim Harbaugh outside of Ann Arbor. It is, but through this entire process of this little investigation, mm-hmm. I, I learned that the NCAA doesn't allow in-person advanced scouting. What? What? You can't go to a game of an opponent that you're playing and scout them? Right. They do that at eight-year-olds. What are we doing here? You can't they go do. advanced scout? They do that at every level of athletics. What That's are right. we talking about? That's a rule, and he broke it? If I, 
Jim Harbaugh is in the NFL next year. There's zero chance he's back in college football. If he's getting investigated for this thing, if they try to suspend him again because he just did what everybody else in sports at every level does. Now, I think it's a little bit ridiculous doing it at eight years old. When you get that dad over there charting, well, you know, this kid hit the last three balls to the right field, so we're going to shade him to the right. <laughs> oh, man, screw you, old man. Like, you know, let's let the kid hit. But it, to not be able to do that in college football? Are you kidding me? Are we? It happens in college basketball. Rule? It happens in college basketball with these, you know, with these, like, you know, Maui tournaments and these in-season tournaments, you know, well, like the coach will attend, you know, the night before yeah. or what have you. What are you going right. to do? Go hide in your hotel room? And, and I mean, like – not everybody yeah. has the kind of, of dinner entertainment that Rick Pitino has had over the years. So you can't just – Give it that corner <laughs> booth, man. <laughs> you got you to find something. booth is the best. <laughs> you got to find something to keep yourself busy. Why not go watch the opposition for the next day's games? I totally get I'd it. I'd rather right, go to the booth, honestly, than yeah. that. But... Pitino's better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the hard way. Uh, oh, it – it was the hard way. Don't worry. For all of about 45 seconds, it was the hard way. Um, back to football. John, God, where's your head, man? Keep it together. I know, uh, man. Brock, Brock Bowers undergoing ankle surgery. Let's touch on this real quick. How big of an effect is this on Georgia that Bowers is going to be out for the next four to six weeks? Um, especially when you look at the fact that their schedule, this is the heavy part of their schedule that he's going to miss. Uh, they get past Florida and it's, Mizzou, it's Ole Miss, it's Tennessee in Knoxville. Um, is this – could they run into some trouble here, John? Absolutely. I think it's uh, uh, crippling, honestly, to an offense that already didn't look great. I mean, you know, really struggling with Vandy over the weekend. Yet again, you know, not covering these numbers. Um Look, they're going to be in the conversation because their floor is so high. You know, just they're 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 well coached. And there's a ton of talent, but when you watch that offense, you know, and the last one I watched fully was uh, the Kentucky beatdown. I mean, Bowers is his sort of safety valve, you know, and they look for him. And when t- times get tough and you're in close quarters, you know. Who is the guy? And it's Bowers. And I mean, he's done. He's done for the season. I mean, he could he come back for the playoff? I guess, but um, you know, that's it. So, I, yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a real downgrade for me on Georgia to not have him for the rest of the those games you mentioned are going to be really hard to win. No question about it. It's tough. Um, look, are they going to? Are they going to run into problems? Yes. Are they going to win the games? I mean, they probably might. They may look pretty bad doing it, and it may impact mm-hmm. how they look. I mean, maybe they lose. To t- maybe they get a tough one to Tennessee because it's a road game, but I don't think this is something that really impacts them until they get to the conference championship game if they get there. Uh, but, it, yeah, it, there's no, and it's a big deal. Like, it's a big deal. Let's just not sugarcoat it. But, yeah. again, like, if this was uh, last year's Tennessee team, I think it's something that bites them. But this is a that's a different animal. It's a different quarterback. I still think they get out unscathed. Um, I don't think they have a problem with Florida. They always beat Florida. Then again, I'm surprised Florida's sitting here with uh, with one conference loss. I'm 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 surprised about that one. So surprised they're here. I thought they would have lost more by now, but they're hanging on. Maybe well, they get and some, that, who knows. And 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 that game November 18th in Knoxville may be. That's that's a big daddy all of a sudden, especially if Tennessee can get away with one, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes in Tuscaloosa this weekend. We'll break that one down. We'll talk a big one out in the Pac-12. Can USC bounce back 
against Utah and that Kyle William defense. And, oh, yeah, back into Penn State, Ohio State, because we got to break down the game specifically. And we all said it across the board, if it's ever going to happen for Penn State, it happens this weekend in Columbus. But how does it happen and will it happen and how do you play this one? All that next alongside RJ Choppy and John Martin. You're locked in to BetQLU. You've been listening to BetQLU, presented by BetMGM. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime on the new and improved Odyssey app. Let's get back to BetQLU, presented by BetMGM. And welcome back in alongside John Martin and RJ Choppy. I'm Chris Mack, and this is BetQLU. Three huge games, each with their own little revenge angle to them that we're going to dive into uh, in a couple of minutes. A big game, a big rivalry game last weekend that has affected one market in particular. We have a clear-cut favorite in the Heisman Trophy race now, uh, especially as compared to where he was at the beginning of the season. Got to get you our best bets before we wrap up as well. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to the show if you get us as a podcast wherever you get it, including inside your Odyssey app. Let's start with Big Noon, Saturday on Fox at noon, number seven, Penn State. We are at number three, Ohio State in Columbus. This line started off as low as three and a half. It's up to four and a half now. Um, Penn State has allowed just four sacks in six games. Drew Aller, the only quarterback with at least 105 attempts in the country who has yet to throw an interception. Nittany Lions with a plus 10 turnover margin. James Franklin, though, one in eight in his last nine against Ohio State, and it took a blocked punt return for a touchdown to win that one. He's lost six in a row since that blocked punt return for a touchdown seven years ago. Ryan Day, 35-0 and 0 against teams from the Big Ten that aren't named Michigan. Whew, okay. Um, wow. Kyle McCord is the quarterback for Ohio State. And I, I, if I were a Buckeyes fan, I would not feel supremely confident in that, RJ. But the history tells you that Ohio State takes care of this. But if ever, and we said this off the top of the show, if ever Penn State is going to do it, this feels like it's the year and this weekend is the time. It does feel like that. Um, you know, this is – I get, I'm get i getting some weird Kentucky vibes here. You know, Kentucky, every time they go play, every time they go up a weight class, you know, they get drilled. Uh, and this is the deep end of the pool. Like, even though it's not mm-hmm. – oh, this is not vintage Ohio State. This is the deeper end of the pool. If this game was in uh, in Happy Valley, I think this is a lot like – um, a lot like an A and M Alabama game in College Station where A and M's good. I think this is, I think it's one or or Alabama Tennessee last year. I think it's one of those mm-hmm. situations. In Columbus, I just find it hard to I, I find it hard to pick Penn State. Uh, even though I would be breaking a rule because I am steadfast. Like better quarterback, that's the team I'm going with. Yeah, and there's right. no doubt who the better quarterback is. I there there's no doubt who the better pro quarterback is. There's no doubt who the better quarterback is today. Um, but I just, I, it's hard for me to pick against Ohio State at home. 
Yeah, last year when it was in Happy Valley, Penn State controlled the game, really, for the first three quarters, despite Marvin Harrison Jr. going off for 10 and 185. Um, it, it all turned on JTT, who took over the game for the Buckeyes on the defensive side of the ball in the fourth quarter. And if that happens again, if there's a big play on the defensive side, you're absolutely right. Ohio State walks away with this one. Penn State's got to build up, build some big plays on the offensive side, John. They are uh, next to dead last in FBS in plays of 20-plus yards or more. They've only had 16 of them. If they don't have a big play or two on offense, then it's entirely possible Kyle McCord could kill them, death by a thousand cuts, with Marvin Harrison and Emeka Igbuka. Yeah, well, I, I bet Penn State. You guys know that. Uh, I bet them on Monday this week. Um, and, and I don't like it today as much as I did on Monday. And the reason why is because Ohio State's gotten some good injury news, right, with the receivers. Um, you know, that concerns me a little bit. Um, and, and I would say, like, to, to, to RJ's point, like, it's hard to pick Ohio State sort of – or excuse me, uh, Penn State to win. But I do think there is a big difference when you're talking about a point spread in the situation, right? I do – Yeah. I do think the way both teams sort of play, yeah, Ohio State can have an explosive play uh, here or there, uh, but I just think the way they both play lends this game into being a low-possession, low-scoring game. That total has plummeted throughout the week, um, and and it's sitting now at 45-and-a-half. So, you know, look, it's, it's, it's probably an Ohio State win, uh, because of those reasons that you mentioned, like Penn State hasn't shown very much in terms of, you know, being able to make that big play. I worry a little bit, like, is Drew Aller going to sort of be willing to take chances? You know, he, he does have that perfect mark with no interceptions. Like, is, is he going to just take what's there? Is he really going to press the issue? If he does that, if he does the, 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 the ladder there, then I think he will give Penn State a chance to, to win this game. But if he's kind of just trying to keep that mark perfect and just taking what they give him, I worry a little bit that Ohio State can bust that play up. So I've got Penn State plus four and a half. I, I'm not super confident. I hope it happens, obviously, for, for you and, and for me. But, um, you know, it'll probably be pretty tight. It'll probably be pretty tight yeah. to that number. And uh, I can see it being like an 11-point game. Maybe Penn State gets a backdoor or something like that uh, at the end. But – you know, I just I'm less confident in today than I was on Monday. That's for sure. Yeah, the big playability for the Penn State offense has been talked about in these parts all year to the point that the now famous uh, Corey Geiger line of questioning of James Franklin a couple weeks ago didn't necessarily sound out of place until he started to really expound upon it because everybody is waiting to see if Penn State will just chuck it deep in some instances. Um, oh it's, yeah, it's, yeah. He, I, I didn't understand the question. <laughs> you're speaking what are you talking about man yeah we've never done that before we've never attempted a 35 yard pass ever and we're not going to do it today <laughs> but, but that's i mean that kind of gives you an inkling of what the thought process is with this offense right. is yeah. just yeah. play it safe you know that's what i mean right. as you talked about it's hard to I, win that way on the road man it really is yep it's it can you cover sure um, yeah. Can you keep it close? Yeah, but at a certain point, you're going to have to make one more play than That's that. Right. Um, That's we'll right. We'll see if Penn State has that big play in their back pocket Saturday afternoon. Uh, I don't think I can bring it to, to – I don't have, seriously, the cardiac health 
to add a significant bet on top of what is already going to be an anxious Saturday afternoon for me. But yes, I think I'll lean as, as far as recommendations uh, toward Penn State uh, plus the four and a half. And you made a good point, too, John, about the under on that one down to 45 and a half. Tennessee, Alabama, another revenge angle here. Penn State has the revenge angle of they can never beat the Buckeyes in a big spot. Alabama has the revenge angle of last year's game. I don't know what more you need. This one, though, in Tuscaloosa, number 11 tied, favored by eight and a half over the number 17 Vols. Bama's just four and three against the spread this year. Another uncomfortably close conference win against Arkansas last week. They are next to last in the country in sacks allowed. Tennessee's defense, fourth in the country in sacks generated. So it's entirely possible uh, Milrose just running for his life most of the afternoon. Tennessee has lost 27 straight road games, though, Choppy, against top 15 teams. But, man, they shoved the ball down A&M's throat last week to the tune of 230 yards on the ground. So is that the formula? Is it a tight, low-scoring affair, the complete opposite of what we got last year? Uh, and does that mean we're on the Vols at plus eight and a half? So the total in this one's 48 and a half. Mm-hmm. Both teams last year scored 49 or more. <laughs> right. So, like, that's how different, you know, Hooker and Bryce Young are to Milton and Milrow. Like, that's it's, – it's amazing. I, I, I don't see – it's a big number. That's a big number for an Alabama team that – I mean, they can't – they couldn't score the fistful of 50s at times. Like that, that you have to, you have to be on Tennessee at the plus eight and a half. The way that their defense is played, and the way that Alabama's offense is not played, Alabama's got one of the highest percentage of you know of busted drives in the country on offense. Tennessee forces uh, the highest percentage of busted drives in the country on defense. So that's it, it's. It, I, I think it's going to be really tough uh, for both of these offenses to get a whole lot generated. I, I it, it was twenty to thirteen. That Tennessee A&M game, I, I think we're looking at a similar score. I think this thing is low scoring. It may be a double play, Tennessee and the under in this one. Um, and that under's got juice to it. You know, it's going to have juice to it. I, I think the Bama not, number is too high. Either money line number is too high. I, I mean, minus 350? Like, that's, that's, a, that's a walk in the park. That's an easy win. I, I, they may win this game, but what from Alabama this year has shown you that they're gonna that they're that much better than anybody? Yeah, this feels like it's boosted almost exclusively due to the oh well, this one's in Tuscaloosa fact, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think that's mm-hmm. enough to boost this thing to eight and a half. Um, the other thing is that Tennessee actually has a lot on the line here. We talked about Georgia earlier. Tennessee wins this <laughs> one, and all of a sudden that game against Georgia in a month is for a trip to the SEC championship game, likely. Um, and so this is big for Tennessee. It, it is. Um, and, and I'm, and I, and I'm, I do struggle. I do struggle with uh, all of it, honestly. Uh, both teams, I want to say, are top five, top ten in pace. But, like, do I trust that either of these QBs could even complete uh, a five-yard out? Like, I think that's the, that's the hard thing about this game, man, is that, they they have trouble doing the, the the easy stuff, but like both these teams could just pop you for sixty eight yards. You right. know what I mean? Out of nowhere, they're more likely so to complete a thirty five yard post pattern than they are a five yard absolutely, out. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, you know, in terms of the side, 
I probably have to take the points. I agree here uh, with with RJ. I probably, but I I think if I had to play a total, I would. And again, it's not something I feel super strongly about, but I would have to go over just because of the volatility. But there is a lot of a lot of volatility and variance. I think with both of these teams. So for me, in terms of the weekend, I, there are a lot of games that uh, I feel a lot stronger about than this one for sure. Tennessee, Bama, another big one in what always seems like a big one between these two. Saturday at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central on CBS. Uh, Late game, 8 o'clock Eastern on Fox, 5 Pacific. Number 14, Utah at the Coliseum against number 18, USC. The Trojans laying seven in this one. And look, revenge angle here as well. USC has lost three in a row to Utah, including two last year that were obviously highly impactful. Caleb Williams last week, his first three-interception game of his collegiate career and just the second multi-interception game of his career. Last one came when he was still back at Oklahoma. The worst loss to a top-ten team, or as a top-ten team, excuse me, uh, for USC since 1995. This is also, like I said, you're not going to have a two-loss Pac-12 team in the playoff. I don't believe so anyway, despite the quality that some of those losses will be because – it's a stacked conference this year. So it's got a bit of an elimination uh, feel to it as well. You don't want to lose this game either side because more than likely you're not going to find your way back into the CFP conversation. All that said, I think this is another, I think this is very similar to the first two games we talked about in that it's going to be uncomfortably close. Seven is too much in a game that involves Utah, especially it's going to be close with their defense um, I don't necessarily think we're seeing the beginning of some great meltdown from Caleb Williams. I think it was one bad game against Notre Dame against a pretty good defense. Uh, but this yeah. is a very good defense, too, in Utah, John. And seven is just too much for me. And 53 and a half as a total is probably even too much for me, even with USC's offense involved. This USC team, to me, is really easy to figure out. Um they're going to look good against, you know, finesse teams in the Pac-12, and they're going to be able to put up points, you know, um, against the bad ones. But when they come up against a a physical defense, which they did, and we talked about last week uh, against Notre Dame, they looked horrible. Uh, At some point, the the risks that Caleb Caleb Williams takes um, are going to be capitalized on by good defenses. You saw that. Uh, they were, you know, the the, new, uh, the Notre Dame uh, pass rush was getting to him, making him really uncomfortable. And I, I really don't see any reason why Utah can't do the same thing. I think a lot of uh, Utah's coach, I think he, uh, even without rising, I think he's going to find a way to keep this game close. And, again, it would not shock me even there uh, if Utah won this game because they're going to keep it really simple. They're going to play good defense. They're going to run the ball. Um, and they're going to force USC to go out there and win. And, and, and we know sometimes when Caleb Williams forces that, uh, it doesn't go well. And Notre Dame put up 48 on them. You know, Arizona put up 40-plus on them. You can score on this team, um, and I think that's a big problem. So there is no way in hell I am ever laying a touchdown uh, with, with this USC defense, especially in conference. I don't care who it is. I'm not doing it. So give me Utah all day here. Yeah, much like the eight and a half Alabama's land to Tennessee choppy, this seven just feels feels too rich against Utah. It's too high, man. Uh, last week cost Caleb Williams the Heisman, and I think this week cost him the number one pick. He is 
going to get uh, – they're going to get worked. I, I got Utah on this one, money line straight up. I think Utah wins this game outright. I don't care who the quarterback is. I went back and looked this. Did you guys see what that Reddit user dug up on Caleb Williams this no. week? I went and fact-checked, and it turns out to be pretty accurate. Against top 25 defenses in his career, at, in, in his time in college, he's, he's two and three overall, but six TDs, six interceptions in the five games – He's thrown for fewer than 200 yards in four of them. And I hate those counting numbers, but, you know, it's it's, it's good for my argument, so I'm going to use them here. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, it, you know, and then Utah is like a top 10 defense this year. Like, this is going to get ugly for him. This is going to get ugly for USC. Lincoln Riley is a uh, – if I uh, he is a great um, – he's a great – he's a better scout than a coach, a head coach. He's, a, he's an elite evaluator of the quarterback position. And he is an elite developer of the quarterback position. I don't. Th- I don't think he could. He could coach away have a paper bag from a head coach standpoint. Like his, his defense is always stink. He gets worked against good teams time after time after time because he puts up sexy numbers. I, I think they get beat. I think this is Utah's game. I think Caleb looks terrible. Caleb Williams is going to look worse in this game than he looks at that Mike Florio report that he wants a piece of every team that drafts him. <laughs> That's how bad I think he's going to look at this game. I've never seen a greater example of starting high in your negotiations so you can come down to what you really want than yeah. give me part of the team. Okay, yeah, I'll just take a six-year deal. <laughs> really, really bad timing, right? He had the worst yeah. game of his life. Now he wants Awful. equity. Yeah. You know, I mean, who, who just, is, like, doing – Who? that's ridiculous. Just just stay in college, pal. <laughs> just just You got another year. Stay in college. Make more money there and yeah, maybe play no, a little no, better no, football. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, if he hasn't already done that, I think he, he will ultimately cost himself the uh, the number one pick in the draft because, you know, it started with the I don't, if I don't like the situation, I'm not coming out. Uh, now I want equity. Uh, he paints his fingernails. I mean, this is just not stuff that you would ever t- use a number one pick on. It's just not. Like, like this guy's high maintenance, you know. Like you want dogs, you want guys that are coming that are going to come in humble, ready to learn, ready to develop, you know. And this guy thinks he clearly thinks he's a ready-made product. And Notre Dame exposed him last week as as definitely not that. So I, I would not be surprised if he has already played his way out of that number one pick discussion. They're going to go with a guy like Drake May, who comes from that bloodline, who's just doing work, who's undefeated, that keeps putting up numbers. That's the way this stuff goes, man. Yeah. Although what the what the football world really deserves, what the sports world really deserves is Caleb Williams in Chicago with that mess that the Bears. Oh, my God. Would that oh, just yeah. be like a, a beautiful, beautiful disaster? All right. We've uh, previewed three of those big games. One big game last week has us asking just how good someone and his team in particular are. We've got to get you our best bets as well. Mm-hmm. Alongside RJ Choppy and John Martin, I'm Chris Mack. You're locked into BetQLU. You've been listening to BetQLU, presented by BetMGM. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime on the new and improved Odyssey app. Let's get back to BetQLU, presented by BetMGM. And welcome back in. You got the three of us. I'm Chris Mack. He's RJ Choppy. He's John Martin. And for a few more minutes, we talk world of college football here with you 
on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Premieres every Thursday night, every Friday night and Saturday morning. We're on the BetQL network, betql.com. And, of course, you can pick us up as a podcast whenever you like as well and take us with you inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Just the three of us talking ball, college ball specifically. When it comes to threes, I know one guy who's not a big fan of just taking three when he can get them, and he's the head coach at Oregon, and he may have cost himself a victory last Saturday in Seattle because a couple times he had an opportunity to just take three, and he wouldn't do it. Number five, Washington. They hold on to beat Oregon 36-33. The number nine Ducks fall. Dan Lanning uh, bemoans and laments his fourth down decision-making. But just as importantly, what we got in this game, John, was Michael Penix Jr. looking like a legit Heisman candidate against a legit defense. Four touchdowns, one pick in the victory. He's now minus 145 to win the Heisman. So if you did not jump on Michael Penix Jr. before this past week, I don't know how much value is left there, if at all. Uh, He was plus 220 before the game started. Uh, It seems like it's his to lose at this point, John. Yeah, I think uh, I don't remember if it was you or RJ. You guys said whoever, if you like watching this game, you should bet uh, Penix to win the Heisman, and uh, that ended up being really, really good advice. Um, look, it was really impressive, right? It was super. Yeah, RJ gave that out. It was really impressive, like the throws that he was making. Um, you know, going down and, and and basically going and winning the game, tying it up a couple times, like just really, really impressive stuff from him. I just feel like you like. The universe is not going to let a Pac-12 team win the championship the year that they're disbanding it. I just don't believe it. I mean, I know that's not related to anything that's happening on the field. Uh, if, you want me to, if you want me to give you a, a, a sincere answer, I'll tell you that. I, just don't, I don't think the defense is going to be good enough. Uh, I don't think that if you come up against an SEC or a Big Ten team that you're going to be able to get enough stops. Um, but that being said, I mean, Pittick certainly, at the very least, submitted himself, I think, for the Heisman, no question, unless they just totally the bottom falls out or he gets hurt or something. Um, That's what they achieved. Great win, very impressive win, great game. Um, But I I didn't come away from that thinking, oh, man, Washington Huskies, national champ. That's not what I came away thinking. No, no, I, I came away from it, Choppy. I don't know if you feel the same way, thinking like, oh, here we go. Here comes mid-October, early November. This is the part where the Pac-12 rips itself to shreds again. Yeah. I mean, look, Washington reminds me of my school a lot last year. A transfer quarterback, old man, playing playing his, you know, his balls off. And, you know, they may get picked off somewhere. They, they might. You know, it happened, happened to us, and, and that might happen to them. I don't know. But I, I think that's ultimately what happens. Um, but, dude, Penix is a monster. The only – like, he is, he is, I think, easily the best quarterback in the country right now. Um, he's fantastic. I think he's going to be a nice pro. I think he'll be a great pro. I think he'll be a nice pro. But they got outplayed in that game. They should have lost that game. Uh, they should have lost that game. And and I and I didn't have a problem with Dan Lanning going for it all those times. I you know like they, they were trying to win the game. You know 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 your team. They had Washington had just marched down the field, uh, and they got stopped. They were you know, you're not going to stop Penix whether you give the ball at the fifty or the twenty. He's gonna he's gonna march on the field either way. I loved going for it there. I didn't like it at the end of the half. That's exactly what I was gonna bring up. Yeah, that, end that's, of the half I didn't like it. Yeah, 
because that's that's a situation where you know you're not looking at it and say, okay, well, at least if we don't get it, we're backing up the opposition on their own three-yard line, right? Yeah. And we'll get the ball back. In. Like, that worked for them in the third quarter when they went for it on fourth and didn't convert. They got the ball back after a three and out right. from Washington and immediately scored. Uh, but at the end of the half, the clock's going to run out. It, it, you take your three points – and uh, maybe maybe that three points doesn't end up mattering because we don't know how things play out, yeah. uh, it, how differently they play out. If those three points are on the board, you can't just simply yeah. say, well, it's tied at the end of regulation and they go to OT. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think there's there's something to be said for taking having some feel in that instance and not just always pulling it out to try and measure it against the other guy and say, well, I'll go for it on fourth down every time. I don't care. And it had... That's what Lan- – Lanning had that feel last Saturday. Like, oh, it's fourth. I'm going. Like Staley for the Chargers. Like, oh, I don't yep. care. I'm going. And sometimes you got to show a little bit of nuance and a little bit of feel there, John. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I, the, look, the end of the half one was egregious to me. I mean, take yeah. the damn points, man. If you can take some points with time coming, you know, winding down, you need to take the points. You know, I think that's a different calculation than – you know, in the middle of the third quarter, you know, or the, at the end of the game, yeah. obviously. But, you know, I, I just think in a, in a game that was line three, that ends three, you know, and look, Dan Lanning's young. He's a young coach. I think he's proven a lot already uh, that he that he clearly belongs at this level. That he's going to be potentially pretty good. But that was absolutely a learning moment for him uh, at the end of that first half, not taking the three, going for it, not getting it. And ultimately, you know, it's the difference between a, a, a Washington driving for overtime or driving for the win. Uh, you know, and so that's that's where you end up. Yeah, plus not uh, with, with the numbers as they are for the Heisman Trophy. I, I don't see anybody really challenging Penix unless something goes completely crazy, unless Dylan Gabriel starts putting up a couple 500-yard games and five touchdown efforts. But that actually brings me around to Oklahoma as a team in the Big 12. Like I mentioned earlier, when we look at the CFP and it feels like it's going to be one team each from the Big 12, the Big 10, the ACC, and the SEC, and no two-bid conferences. Uh, Oklahoma, I I still think, is the team. I I wasn't totally shocked that they beat Texas, and as soft as their schedule is, they're not going to play another real opponent until the Big 12 championship game choppy against Texas. Yeah, I I struggle with Oklahoma, man. I mean, I I thought Brent Venables was a terrible hire in his era. When everybody is going offense, they were going defense. It's like, man, really? Okay. Interesting choice. I mean, you know, Stoops obviously was on the defensive side, but you know, they had good offense. Then Lincoln Riley, and they would just they, – they did the – they flipped. I should have trusted Joe Castiglione. He's the best AD in the country. Uh, he proves it year in and year out. I should have trusted him. But that's a – and they're a good team. Like they, They're a much better team. I, I, I think they, they split with Texas. I think Texas winds up winning the conference and – uh, they're the ones that probably have. I, I assume the winner of the conference would have the better chance of going to the Final Four. If they're both one and one, whoever wins the game second has a better chance. I don't know. It's it's, right? it's tough. It's how does that? I mean, you know, that's part. That's the problem with four teams. I think that I think that's a great question. If if Texas Oklahoma split and they're both at one loss and Washington <laughs> remains undefeated, then. That's your Pac-12 entry. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. think there's any way around it there. Um, but if if Washington ends up with one loss, and maybe it's in the conference championship game against, I don't know, it could be a really good Utah team. Could be, I mean, it, there, there's half dozen of them there that could end up in that uh, in that other spot. 
um, aside from Washington <clears throat> Pac-12 championship game. If, if someone's choosing between a one-loss Texas or Oklahoma, which would mean a split in the Big 12, or uh, a Texas win in the Big 12 title game and a split between those two, or a one-loss Washington, I mean, I, I personally would take the one-loss Huskies, but I, I don't know what the committee would think of that. I, I mean, it's, it's look at best road win. If it's Texas, their best road win's Alabama. How does Alabama finish the season? Does Alabama finish the season as the SEC champ with one loss? You know, then you take Texas. Uh, right. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that scenario because I know it's. I, I don't like. I, I'm. I don't like having to prove you're better than a team twice in a college football season. Like Oklahoma already proved it. They shouldn't have to beat Texas again. I hate that. That second game shouldn't really even matter for them, but it does. It's the way it is. I get it. I, I accept it. But it's going to stink for the Sooners if they have to play Texas again and beat mm-hmm. them again. And, and this time maybe lose? I mean, that stinks. Yeah, and Washington's going to have an absolute gauntlet of a schedule to look back on, John. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, it, that's like a it, – it's a hypothetical here, uh, but that, mm-hmm. is, that is sort of the world we live in. I mean, it's going to be uh, what – you know, how good does your – you know, your best loss look? How, how you know, did – what was your best win? As, as RJ mentioned, like, did they go on to – you know, achieve incredible things. Washington's got opportunities, and you know, in the end, that's all you can ask for. You just have to make the most of them, so we'll see. All right, time to get them our best bets for this weekend. Oh, what do we like? Maybe it's from those three big games that we previewed with the revenge angle. Maybe it's from somewhere else around the college football landscape this weekend. John, I'll let you get us started. What's your best bet this weekend? Man, we're going to the Escort Bowl. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Auburn, don't miss. Yeah. Revenge coming. You freeze. Nobody does it better. Nobody does it better no. than you freeze. I remember, I remember uh, way back when, uh, like 2011, he wanted the Memphis job when it opened up. I don't remember what he was doing. He might have been at San Jose at, as the OC. And he had, he's, you know, he's from here and, and all of that. He had been at Briarcrest High School here. And Memphis didn't give him the job. He ended up going to Arkansas State, and Arkansas State had Memphis. They visited, and they killed Memphis. It was like, I mean, it was just an absolute bloodbath. And you know Hugh Freeze got up for it. So facing his former team, his former program, um, coming off of a really devastating loss against LSU where they were pretty embarrassed, I just love Auburn in this spot. You can get six, six and a half. So give me Auburn. Right now, Hugh Freeze, Escort Bowl, motivated. Let's go. <laughs> escort Bowl. I love it. <laughs> Choppy, what do you what do you got for us this week? Well, not quite the Escort Bowl, but I'm going to take Utah. <laughs> uh, I don't even have escorts in Utah, but give me Utah plus seven <laughs> against USD. Uh, look at the money line on that one as well. Uh, I think Utah wins this game straight up. Uh, so give me the Utes and the not Escort Bowl. That's right. The two, the two Utes. Um, I'm going to go with one. I, look, I, I really like Utah, uh, especially with the spread. I like Tennessee with the spread. As much as I say it with my heart uh, instead of my brain, and my brain's still kind of involved in saying I like Penn State with the spread. Um, I don't want to just take all dogs <laughs> this week, though. Um, I'll give you a favorite. 
Uh, Florida State is at home against Duke, a Riley Leonard-less Duke. I know he's working to try and get back sooner than a lot of people thought when they saw that injury at the end of the Notre Dame game. But Florida State, I know it's a big number, too. It's 14 and a half, and you swallow hard when you see that. But Duke has no offense to speak of without Riley Leonard present, and Florida State's defense is damned good. Uh, Duke might not score 10 in this game, and Florida State is going to walk away with it comfortably. Maybe they end up meeting again in the ACC championship game, and it's a healthy Riley Leonard then, and it's a different conversation. But this weekend in Tallahassee, it's Florida State, yes, laying a big number and a hook, 14 and a half. I'll take the Knolls over the Blue Devils. So those are our best bets. And this has been another illustrious edition of BetQLU. However you get us, whether you watch us live on the Odyssey Sports YouTube channel on Friday, uh, Thursday nights, listen to us live on the BetQL Network Friday nights and Saturday mornings, or get us as a podcast inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. It's free. Download us today. Uh, or any other podcast app, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. All of them are out there and available to you. We appreciate you doing it. For Producer Zach, for RJ Choppy, for John Martin, I'm Chris Mack. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you again next week right here on BetQLU. You've been listening to BetQLU, presented by BetMGM. If you missed any of the show, listen back anytime on the new and improved Odyssey app.